Carter Silver with the next pick. With the eighth pick in the 2017 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select Frank Nidakina from Strasbourg, France, in SIT basket. Frank Nidakina from France. He turned pro at the age of 15, and a much more positive reaction in the building, perhaps learning from the Christoph Porzingis reaction a couple of years ago. Is Nilakina, who is still in the middle of his French League playoffs, in fact, will leave in the wee hours this morning to get back for a decisive game five in the playoffs, but wanting to be here for this moment. And the Knicks, because they go their own way all the time, they end the run on freshmen at the beginning of the draft. This episode is especially dedicated to some of our fellow Knicks fans who want to see Frank Nilakina get traded. Knicks. Please don't trade away our baby boy. Nickish Podcast, Episode 7. Dumb Dumb McDumbass. Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Nickish Podcast. This is episode number seven. I'm here with Nafi, and well, the Knicks are doing pretty well. They're eight and seventeen. So, you know, how you think, Nafi? You're you're cool with the with the record right now? We're just gonna jump right into it. Now you're gonna ask me how I'm doing. Like I thought we established this already. We're gonna get exchange to pleasantries. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm doing alright. Knicks are doing all right. I mean, that that Bucks game was crazy, and I know we're we're both riding that 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 tanking wave, and that's not going to stop anytime soon because we're two smart, functionally functional adults that can realize that tanking is very important to the team's future. But it felt really good to get that win against the Bucks. It felt even better to see Hazania disrespect Giannis like that, and just. Yeah, this dude Azonia got some balls on him, bro. <laughs> He's good for the rest yeah. of the season. He doesn't need to play anymore. He's good. He got that dunk. He's good for the rest of his life. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you good, bro. <laughs> yeah, that dude's balls are so big. I'm shocked he didn't, like, slap Giannis in the face when he stepped over him with him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, yo, the audacity of this dude is just so disrespectful. Like, this is a dude that's literally on a one-year contract fighting for his NBA career to salvage his career after not doing shit. And he's just like, nah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a barely dunk on the front runner for MVP, and I'm going to step over him. And those mean? were the only two points that he scored. But but what a what a pair of points they were, my friend. What, what a, a pair, pair of, points. of points. Yep. Big pair of points, big brass set of balls on Super Mario Hazonia. That man is good for a lifetime. Yeah, and for some reason people are shitting on him. They're like, you shouldn't be disrespecting you shouldn't be disrespecting Giannis like that, but 
I I had no problem with it. I'm like, you know, do do what you gotta do. I don't understand why no one got into Hazonia's face after he did that though. I thought that made Giannis and the rest of his team look bad. Like, imagine he did that shit on Westbrook. Westbrook would have eaten him up right away. Motherfucker would have thrown him into the stands and just hit him with a chair, like WWE style. But um, I I guess the other Bucks players were shocked too. Like, yo, Hazonia dunking on Giannis. Hazonia is in the league still. <laughs> what? But, uh, no, that was dope. And just, like, the people that are, like, hating on it was just, just dumb. Like, Mike Breen was doing the broadcast and him being the old white man that he is. And I love the dude. Love his commentary. Mike Breen is probably the GOAT play-by-play guy. Like, that, that bang, like, call he does for big shots, fucking iconic. But he's just a fucking stick in the fucking mud, bro. Like, he was talking about how, like, no, see, no, you just need to get back on defense. Yeah, there's no need for that. And I was like, man, shut the fuck up, Mike Breen. Still love you, though. You know what I mean? They still love you, but, like, yo, Michael Breen, like, just shut up. Just call the game. Let the let the dude have his moment, because at the end of the game, they're playing a child's game for millions of dollars. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. And, and just being disrespectful, like, if you're wearing the opposite team's jersey, like, you're not owed any respect once that, once that, like, game clock starts. You know what I mean? For that 48 minutes, the only thing that matters are your teammates, and... Like if you're on the other team, disrespect will be will come at you if I do some shit on you. You know what I mean, or do some shit to you. It's it's just, at the end of the day, that's all it is. You know. Yeah, and Giannis but, knows that Hazonia got a big pair of balls because you heard what he said afterwards. He's gonna punch him in the nut, just one. Yeah, I mean, shit. Is there like a fucking precedent precedence for another NBA player threatening future sexual assault on another player? Because that's just, that's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Giannis is very vividly talking about punching that another grown man in the nuts. You he know said nuts, like, though. Singular. You know how like precise you got to be to focus on one nut. He's gonna have to hold it with one hand and then like like punch it. So like he's already playing the grope Hazonia. I don't know, Giannis. Uh, it couldn't be my MVP. My MVP is in Toronto now. Shit. <laughs> Uh, but dude, that was that was my favorite game so far of the season. It's crazy. So many players played so well, and like this is supposed to be a tanking mm-hmm. season. But when you compare it to our last tanking season, which was right before Kristaps was drafted, the fourteen fifteen season, there were a bunch of nobodies on that team, and they're just a bunch of bad players. But this season, we have a lot of strong youngins, and they're all playing well. So you know, I'm just gonna throw some stats out there. Uh, Noah Vonley, six for six. And he hit three for three from the three pointer. So you know he's he's putting it all together. He's shooting efficiently, scoring efficiently, getting you know crashing boards. Uh, Moutier, we'll we'll get back to him. But Kevin Knox, he finally broke out, scored twenty six points, and he had five threes. Uh, and Dotson mm. with twenty one points, seven for nine. You know talk about efficient. He was five for five from the three. And Timmy, twenty one points and eight assists. So lots of credit goes to Tim Hardaway. I know it's a little hard on him. Uh, before the season started, but he's been playing very, very well. And of course, you know the man, of the man of the game was Emmanuel Mudiay, uh, who scored 28 points, seven assists, uh, and he was four for five from the three. And a lot of those buckets were clutch. Hell yeah! It was a it was a fun ass game overall. And like my main takeaway, just from everything you said, is just. Our big boy Knox just breaking out, playing his best game overall. You know what I mean? Like he was driving. I saw some really nice passes. 
he was diving for loose balls. You know what I mean? I saw on that on one play where he would go for a loose ball, like Fizzo got pumped up. You know what I mean? And the the knock coming out on Knox coming out of the draft. You see what I did there? Yeah. The wordplay. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. The knock coming out on Kevin Knox coming out of the draft was like he had a low motor. He didn't really hustle. You know what I mean? So like it's good to see that like the, the, those kind of good habits are kind of showing up. You know, it's not going to be consistent at least for a couple of years, but. Like he's he's doing it, you know. Like he was there was some pressure on him, you know. There was some talk about how like he's not living up to standards. I know the New York Post, that that piece of shit newspaper tabloid, was talking about how like scouts around the league are saying like, oh, like the Knicks rookies so far, or the Knicks young and so far aren't like, impressive. Specifically, Frank and Knox, and he's been kind of not good. And kid is 19, you know what I mean? And like he came back strong, you know. And even before the game, he was a premature about that, you know. Like he said, how like the only thing he owes, the only people he owes that kind of attention to are like his family, his his manager, and like his team, his teammates, and his coach. Like nobody else's like input really matters to him. And he's and he came through and delivered, and it was a great game. And you know, honestly, like we're both pretty high on him. And it was just like you saw. I guess glimpses of what he could be consistently down the line. That kind of player that just basically like a Tatum 2.0, maybe slightly bigger, you know. And he's only a year younger than Tatum too. So I was impressed. Impressive, impressive ass game. Yep. And the other game that happened last night was the Wizards game, and Dotson man, 17 points, nine rebounds, uh, still efficient. Moody had 16 points, five rebounds, four assists, but. You know, Dotson has been really, really great uh, this season. I really love his personality. He's just he just goes in and just plays the game, uh, not worried about you know what people are doing. He's not really involved with any drama. He's just focused, and I love his personality. I love the personality of a lot of the guys on the team. Um, they're just yeah. focused, no drama. Just play the game, play for each other, play for your coach, uh, win as much as you can, and you know and play your hardest and just try to keep developing yourself and keep improving and it's it's great seeing uh an example of a player who didn't play for four straight games with dmps and coming out and balling like this yeah just to carry off on that point it's like these these youngins are kind of like adapting the personality of a coach which is dope to see you know this is always preaches toughness like just playing together being scrappy you know and, like, we're seeing that. And Dotson, I feel like, is the embodiment of, like, the perfect physical player. He stayed ready after getting benched, and he came in, he's still cooking. And he's just – his game is tailor-made to fit with any any and anybody. Any and everybody, basically, you know? Like, 3 and D, great catch-and-shoot shooter, plays tough D, makes smart cuts, he makes the right passes. And, honestly, like, what more can you ask for from a second-round pick? And this is only his second year. I know he's kind of on the older side for a young player. He's like 24 already, but we got him locked up for at least another year, you know? So, like, if, you know, knock on wood, we get um, some big fish next summer, he's he's a perfect fit to play with any kind of star, especially when KP gets back. I feel like Dotson is, is earning more and more minutes, and I, we brought, the, brought up, like, a Daniel Green comparison, at least in an earlier episode, I think, you know? Um, I definitely think that's that's definitely his upside right there. Like that perfect three and D fit that fits with like like all star level players. You know, you don't need to worry about them like being a liability because he's he's a positive he's a positive effect on the game on both ends of the court. You know. Yeah. And uh, when I was watching the Bucks game, uh, Giannis historically has two game winners on the Knicks: one at MSG, one uh, in Milwaukee, and 
he had a chance to ice the game again, and they got a switch, and then the person who ended up on defending him was Dotson, and Dotson, Dotson defended him as well as possible, and Giannis missed the shot really badly. He didn't even touch the rim. He just hit the backboard. So uh, that was, you know, that was great to see at Dotson. Yeah, and just last night, I know the Wizards game just happened, and I'm in the D.C. area, so that game was fucking blacked out, so I couldn't catch it in full. So I had to catch, like, highlights, and then, like, I tried to I track down, like, a like a, like a a condensed stream version of the game, caught a, a lot of that, so... I mean, it was a loss, and it was an L, but I saw some nice highlights from Robinson, and, yo, just... He had this left-handed block on Markeith Morris that was so fucking disrespectful, and I was looking at the numbers. He's... He's barely playing not even 20 minutes a game, right? And he's in foul trouble, but he's ninth in the league in blocks per game. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Top 10 in blocks per game, and you were second-round pick, you barely get playing time, and you barely can stay on the court because you're just so young, you figure out the game, and you get into foul trouble so often. Like Once he cuts that out of his game, once he gets a little more discipline, some seasoning, you know what I mean, some good coaching through the next year or two, like I could see him becoming like just one of the best like lockdown defensive like presence in the game, you know, like the the DeAndre Jordan comparison is like really really good for him. That's who I see, but it's also like on a defensive kind of level. Like if we get him and KP next to each other, that's yo, we're gonna be able to like shut teams down for a minute, you know. Like oh, we yeah. got the makings, like you know, the foundation is there. Like the, the the youth will develop and they'll get better, especially with a coach like Fizz. You know, player development is like his biggest thing, you know. And I think he came to the right situation. And yo, Robinson's just. We had such a fucking good draft class, you know, and like we didn't even get to talking about like Isozo, the steal of all steals so far. You know what I mean? Uh, you made a good point with with Mitchell Robinson about the block being with his left hand. Um, he's a righty, but apparently his high school yeah. coach taught him and forced him to block with his left hand. So there are a lot of blocks out there that if he tried with his right hand, it would lead to fouls. Um, but he's mm. making it with his left hand, which makes him a little bit more uh you know, agile and more skilled, uh, defensively. At least. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's Mitchell Robinson. So shit, that's going to be great once he develops, you know, more and more. Exactly. It's just like a lot of veteran players don't even get that. You know what I mean? You see a lot of like ticky tacky fouls because they like try to block a shot with their wrong hand. This is like a 20 year old rookie that didn't even play organized ball last year. You know, he's like, he has that kind of dexterity already, you know, to be able that, that knowledge of like defense, like in the moment to like use his left hand when a guy is driving right, you know what I mean? To not pick up that foul. It's just like that kind of savvy has just got to become more consistent and it'll come with time. You know, like so far what I've seen is like he's a sponge. Like he just picks up coaching pretty well. And as rookies will, like, I think a lot of casual fans don't realize when rookies come to the league, they get no respect from like refs. You know what I mean? So they're not going to get that benefit of the doubt. Like once Robinson builds up that reputation as like a good shot blocker, the refs will like stop talk like stop calling those ticky tacky fouls. You know what I mean? And like that'll come with time and just him establishing himself as that kind of rim protector. But yeah, I figured yeah, I was handing you off to talk about Trier. I mean, you got nothing to say about our our crazy undrafted rookie prodigy? He <laughs> uh in numbers numbers wise he. You know, didn't stand out because everybody else had really great games the last two games. But, I mean, Trier has some really, I mean, you know, the, there weren't any two crazy plays from the last two games, were there? Or am I missing something? 
I'm I'm talking about like the total resume he put so far, and I just seen like the rookie of the month like awards came out. It was Doncic in the West and Trey Young in the East, but I don't know. I feel like Iso should have gotten that rookie of the month for the East. You know, I mean, or maybe that's just me being a homer, but it's just I'm still kind of like we're in that honeymoon phase, which is still like kind of too good to be true. Like we never. It's rare for the Knicks, at least for the last 15 years, to have one good rookie in one season. But now we got three promising rookies. You know, it's just it's a fucking embarrassment of riches for us. You know, yep. it's dope as hell. Yep, yep. And we have two guys from last season, Dotson and Ilkina, right? Uh, who are also. I mean, that's the elephant promising. in the room we got to address right now. I mean, not to cut you off, but uh, our boy, baby boy Frankie, our precious French son, has not been t- seen any playing time lately. Yeah. So I know Is that right? you you you've got some you've got some thoughts. I, I think you've got some thoughts. What do you think? You seem pretty peeved. What uh? Lately. What are the uh the casual Knicks fans saying again? Oh, they're saying some dumb shit as usual. Yeah. I mean, they from the like you know I feel like these casual Knicks fans just gave up on Frank after a month after he couldn't like score fifteen a game right out the gate as a nineteen year old raw rookie from overseas. You know, like when literally on ESPN draft day. They, they showed the statistical model or algorithm that said he had the highest all-star potential in that draft, but also the highest plus potential. And every scouting report you could find leading up to drafts that he would be a project that would take a couple years to, to you know, develop. And you know what? Dumbass Knicks fans are out there giving up on him already. And I feel like I'm going to throw you the alley-oop right now. You, I'm CP3. I'm, you play Griffin right now, so take this away. Mm-hmm. I know you have thoughts. Oh, all right, all right. I mean... So, I mean, the story is that he hasn't played in several games and uh, teams are reaching out to see if that means that he's available for trade. So, of course, you have all these Knicks fans that don't see him dropping 30 points, making 10 assists and blocking everybody left and right. And just because he's not doing that, they should, you know, trade him. Let me let me read a comment, right? I We, we have an Instagram page. Oh, it's Lord. Nick underscore ish. Let me read a comment that one guy, you know, said somewhere. Hold up, hold up. Let me throw out a disclaimer first. For our li- listeners, just be aware this might possibly cause brain damage and or loss of brain cells so just be aware but yeah go ahead read that comment i'm not gonna say the guy's name but he's whatever his his we'll call comment him dumb dumb mcdumbass let's call right. him that dumb dumb mcdumbass says quote why would anyone be intrigued by frank nilakina everyone that says it's anyone fault but his own just doesn't know basketball I <laughs> i'm not done <laughs> watch one game he's not fast He's not athletic. He can't beat a defender. He can't create his own shot. He can't even shoot when he's open. There is no one thing that he is a master at, and I just see no potential for him, unfortunately. And Dumb Dumb just forgot all about the, the concept of defense, but you know, we'll, we'll let it ride. You That's, know? Listen, <laughs> the uh, has Frank Nilekina been terrible on offense? Absolutely. He... It's been a quarter of the of the season, and he's shooting worse than thirty three percent as a field goal percentage. And from the three, he's shooting below twenty five point seven. He's been terrible offensively. The numbers show it. Um, there are going to be some more stats. Uh, there are one hundred and seventy five players that attempted more than one hundred fifty field goal uh, attempts, and of those, Frank is the only one with a field goal percentage below forty and a true shooting percentage below forty three. He, with those numbers, he can possibly be the least efficient offensive player. But that's offensive player, right? 
Frank Nili- there there's the other half, there's defense. But forget about defense for a second. How old is Frank Nilakina Nafi? Is that rhetorical or you want me to actually yeah, answer? Just, let's just get in on this. How old is he? His age is at a point where if I were to offer him a drink, it would technically be illegal. Exactly. Right now, and it moment. will be illegal for eight more months. Frank Nilakina is younger than DeAndre Ayton, Mo Bamba, Mikel Bridges, Michael Porter Jr., Miles Bridges, Shai Gildas Alexander, and a majority of the guys who are drafted this season. Frank was drafted last oh. season. So if oh, any- wait, Mo, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me these rookies drafted in the year 2018 are older than Frank Milikina? They're that older. Bum, They're- that walking trash can, Frank Milikina, is younger than rookies? Yeah. What? Yeah. And imagine if these guys got the numbers he's getting, no one would say shit, but he's getting numbers that are offensively bad, but he's only 20 years old. Check this number out. From all the qualified players as a primary defender on a pick and roll, he was ranked number one last season out of everybody. Number one. But that can't, but that can't be. I was told defense is optional. I, I was told by Jabari Parker, in fact, that the players don't get paid for defense. That I don't know. Have I been lied to, Mo? Is, uh, I mean, been told. We've been we've been Knicks fans for a very long time. The two things that the Knicks have always lacked in is a a good point guard, a strong point guard, and two defense. And Frank Nilakina brings in defense. At but wait, 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 hold up, hold up. I don't mean to be rude, but you're telling me this Frank guy, this this Nilakina fella, he plays point guard, and he's he's adept at defense already. To, before he can, he's old enough to buy a beer right now. He's not even old enough to buy a beer right now. You're telling me he's a point guard that plays borderline elite defense but he's trash huh how does that work bro uh, uh it's, it's so hard to keep my composure because there's so many stupid knicks fans out there that do this they say these things they make these comments and then push it against the media and the media starts making more articles about whether or not frank should be traded it should not be traded and then it just it's who is it hurt ultimately it's gonna hurt frank uh uh ultimately and it's just it just makes things harder and since day one all these Knicks fans were saying, yeah, this is going to be a developmental season. We, yeah, we're going to have patience. We're not going to go after shiny objects, and we're going to develop our guys. We trust our guys. Patience, patience, patience. Get the fuck out of here. If you're saying that you're going to dra- you're gonna- you want to trade away Frank Nilakina just because he has bad offense right now, he's only 20 years old. Let me, let me give you some more stats. Uh, he is averaging uh, six points, two rebounds, and two assists in about 20 minutes a game, right, at age 20 years old. We have two MVP caliber uh, players in Kawhi Leonard and James Harden. What at at that age of twenty years old, Kawhi Leonard was getting eight points, five rebounds, and just an assist, but elite defense. Harden was getting ten points, three rebounds. Uh, sorry, three assists and two rebounds, one or the other. Either way, these guys only scored a few more points, but points isn't everything. Frank is on a team with scores. He just needs to be that elite defender, and he'll get he'll get the points eventually. It's so much easier to learn offense than it is to learn defense but mo whoa hold up i'm under the impression that players are finished products at the age of 20 i've I've been told this is this is how it is that that frank is what he is right now he won't he won't improve he won't develop (laughs) you know they've got david fizdale the one who built his career off of player development turning like almost unknown bums like tyler johnson in miami into like viable players 
I've been told that he won't be, he's incapable of taking this top 10 lottery talent and maximizing his offense. Like, are you telling me these, these are all lies that, that our fellow Knicks fans, our, our, our fellow intellectuals are, are telling us mistruths? Is that, is that what's going on here? Man, there's only one truth, and there's so many stupid fucking Knicks fans out there. That's that's the truth. That's that's the truth. That's Paul Pierce, man. That's that's it. That's it. And hence, we have this podcast to uh, fight that problem because there's a whole fucking shitload of dumbassery out there. And just, I wanted to let you take this fucking rant because it's just, bro. Let, let, let's 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 step back a bit and like. Jimmy Butler, dude, that's borderline knocking on the top 10 of NBA players. He's top 15, top 20. Just got traded, right? Big deal in the league. Turned the Philly into an elite team. He wasn't even 20 years old when he came into the league. And when he came into the league, it was after three years of college. He was nothing but a defensive specialist his first two years. And then, whoa, hey, through some magic potion, he suddenly became, like, elite playmaker, elite player. You know what I mean? Wait a minute. Ain't no magic potion. It's called fucking player development. It happens. You know what I mean? Like, Giving up on Frank right now will be top three dumbest moves this franchise would ever make. I'm so glad that it probably won't even happen. Let's and say, say let's probably say, because it's that one percent chance, you know. Yeah, let's say Frank doesn't get better. Why are you trying to throw him away right now? Let give it give it another two years. If he can't develop himself, if he doesn't get better in two three years, then fine. But why give up on him after one year? He has potential to be a Rajon Rondo type player. Yeah, and guess what? This season when he put up his like best offensive numbers across the board is when he was given the chance to be the point guard. You know, the numbers weren't like eye popping, but it were definitely his best. And what does that tell you? He's got that in him. He's a point guard by nature. Yeah. His only biggest thing on the offensive end is the last of a lack of aggression. And it goes back to what the great Clarence Gaines said, that light bulb in his head is going to go off eventually. Once he realized that he has a capability to be that primary playmaker where like his, his passing, cause he's a good passer. His passing will come, come to fruition and open up once like he becomes aggressive on offense it's only gonna take coaching and experience to bring that out of him but now let's listen to the dumbass on instagram comments and online on twitter and shit that say now we got to give up on this 20 year old seven like seven foot one freak of wingspan with elite defensive chops at this point you know what i mean yeah not even halfway through the second season get the fuck out of here man and let's not forget who frank is playing with he's playing with trey burke and now he's playing with Emmanuel Moutier. If he ever, you know, gets to play anytime soon, these guys are ball dominant guards. And if he doesn't have the ball in his hand, his shots as a twenty year old won't be that efficient. If he's get, if he's only putting up seven eight shots, while Trey Burke is putting up like twenty, Emmanuel Moody is putting up you know twenty twenty shots. If he's not getting his shot opportunities, uh, you know, no knock on Burke and Matt and, and Moutier right now. But if he just doesn't have the opportunity to take that many shots, and if he has to keep, and if he has to keep like you know playing sporadically. His shot just won't be efficient. And also, he defends the best guys on the other team. Most of his energy goes on defense. What's wrong with that if he's stopping the other player from scoring points? And he doesn't have to score himself. I understand he could be a liability on offense and they could play off him, but show some patience and let him get better at his shot. He He has a pretty good shot for him. I understand it's not efficient, but it'll go. Give him some time. Be patient. Yeah, and like, yeah, motherfuckers act like we're playing in game seven of the finals tomorrow. Like, what the fuck is the rush for him to, like, completely develop an offensive game overnight? It's like, it's a slow burn. He's got to develop. And to your point, like, about who he's playing with, or in my point, who the lack of who he's, or who he's not playing with, like, I pr- I'm pretty sure, you know, I spent more minutes taking a dump today than, like, Frank has played with KP. You know, the franchise player 
Like, Frank was literally drafted to compliment our franchise player, and he's barely played with him. You know what I mean? His game is tailor-made to fit with KP, a secondary playmaker that plays elite perimeter defense so, like, KP could focus on protecting the rim. Like, I don't know. I mean, from where I'm from, 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? This That seems like a good recipe to me. Like, it seems like a simple, like, equation to me, you know? Put an elite per- perimeter defender with an elite rim protector. But, you know, let's listen to, like, dumbass McIdiot face on Instagram, you know? Fuck that. So, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you thought Frank should have been traded, please re-listen to what we just said. There's no way after this you think that it's justified for Frank to still be traded right now at this time. Absolutely no reason. Better yet, I mean, I know reading isn't as fundamental as it used to be. Clearly, there are people out there with stupid takes like this, but look up Chris Herring of ESPN. That man wrote an incredible piece about why not believing in Frank would be stupid because he's shown so so much already to like have that kind of faith in him that if you don't like have a positive outlook on Frank, then you don't know what the fuck you're watching. And that's just a rudimentary rudimentary problem right there. But And DMPs, DMPs do not mean that the player's going to get traded. Just look at Damian Dotson. And that's Trey it. Burke and Moutier. They exactly. all got fans throughout the season so far. They came back stronger. Like We, can, we see this is Fizdell's trend right now. It's a motivational tactic because he has so many guys to choose from, so many youngins to play, that like not playing, it goes back to what we said in the, in the previous episode. Like you got to build that trust with your players, right? It's a meritocracy at the end of the day. When KP's not there, and like besides Tim, everybody else is everybody else's playing time is up for grabs. You got to earn it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and, and Frank's gonna earn it. You know yeah. he's gonna come back stronger because he's a young, smart, high high IQ player that's gonna like be motivated and use this as a moment to get better. Like and, let's just leave it at that because I feel like we address dumbasses enough. But I just, feel like you got yeah. I just gotta say comments. one more thing. It's it all comes back to the personality of the team, and we need guys who are you know, defending, who want to play for themselves, for their team and their coach and just for their culture. And we're building a culture in New York right now, a strong, good Hell culture. Yeah. And you Hell saw, yeah. if, if you haven't already, see what Frank's reaction was to not playing. He wasn't bitching. He wasn't, you know, tweeting periods like, you know, fucking canner. But he said that this is this serves as motivation. I want to be there for the, for the best for my team. I This is motivation for me to get better on the court and I want to come back and be there for my team and play well. That's what he said. He had no problems with mm-hmm. it. He understands. This kid's only 20 years old but he already thinks like a veteran. Yeah, and just like one last cherry on top is that with New York Knicks basketball has had so many fucking selfish players throughout fucking our history that like we got dumbass fans out there that want to trade a young 20-year-old selfless player. Man, get the fuck out of my face with that shit. You know what I mean? Let this, let this be the last time we address that kind of dumbassery. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you got issues with Frank Nilakina, don't listen to us no more. <laughs> Just Peace. get us. You know? All right. Now that I, we got that off our chest, hopefully, like you said, for we got to tie time. in, tie into <laughs> the biggest bullshit rumor that popped up of, of most recent. <laughs> oh, list. it gets worse. <laughs> oh man, the New York Post. What are you doing, uh-huh. Mark Berman of the New York Post? Run my fade, bro. I want to slap the shit out of you. It's been years at this point. <laughs> Yo, can we just take his job? Like, we don't need to be working on our full-time jobs right now. We could just, you know, just write for the, the write for the post and actually have some quality articles and quality writing and actually true things. Yeah, at least like a basic level of insight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
So, I mean, do you want to get sure? I mean, basically, basically, what Mark Berman of the Post said, and that just spread out to other other sources and sites. Not really much of a source, but basically, he's saying that the Knicks are setting up trade assets to get uh, All Star John Wall from the Washington Wizards, who had a game winner against the Knicks last night, and that goes completely against everything that the Knicks organization has been saying that they're trying to do for the Knicks. And you know what? I'll let you take this one. Go for it. I mean, let's just go to the heart of the matter right now. So like that report, quote unquote, and I use report mad lightly. Let me actually pull up the exact quote right now. You know what I'm talking about? So the quote in that article says, begin quote, some in the league believe the Knicks are stocking up the young assets and will make a major play for Wall if he becomes available. There's a lot of problematic things about that sentence. Some in the league. It's bullshit. It's not coming from the Knicks. That lets you know it's from like outside of the Knicks organization. It's what some people assume or predict or like with no basis of what the Knicks could be doing. And will make a major play for Wall if he becomes available. So Wall so that would tell you Wall ain't available. So how are we stop stocking up for a trade for a player that isn't available? That's not how it works. You know what I mean? Teams only start rounding up their assets and throwing deals together if the player isn't physically available. We've seen that just now with Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? Like, if offers are made and packages that are put together for players, like, it comes out literally in, in reports easily. You know what I mean? Just the next day. So my whole thing with this is it goes again. It, if we were to take this at face value, that there's any, any semblance of truth to this, that would mean Scott Perry, Steve Mills, David Fisdale have all lied to us for the last year. You know what I mean? And, I mean, call me crazy, you know, but I'm not going to go with that. If our whole thing is development, it's not going to make any sense. And to add to that, there's a dude that works for MSC Networks, which is owned by James Dolan, who obviously owns the Knicks. So it's a Knicks TV network, basically. Obviously, any New Yorker that's watched the Knicks game knows that at this point. Dude on there, Alan Hahn, who used to write for Newsday, who used to have a good source in the Knicks organization, who's basically a Knicks employee right now. He said on Twitter that the organization has given up on Frank because they learned their lessons from giving up on young players. And he specifically mentioned the Knicks trading away Trevor Reza halfway through his second season. You know what I mean? Like, and Trevor Reza was a second-round pick that was promising, you know? This is a, a top-ten lottery pick. It would make zero sense for the Knicks to trade Frank or include him in, the, in a deal for Wall, which is what Mark Berman of the Post had said would be the deal. Wall, Knox, couple picks, like it just goes against any of that shit. If the if the whole organizational message has been development, future, youth, and flexibility, you know, for the summer of twenty nineteen, then a trade for Wall makes zero sense because it would kill all all those points. So let's just leave it at that. It's a bullshit rumor, and if the Knicks do it, there's a one percent chance that they will because we have James Dolan as our owner still. You know that that dumb old fuck if he wants to get himself a fucking overpaid overhyped uh all-star with a big name then yeah but at this point i doubt it highly highly doubt it yeah he'll basically do what we've done uh every other year the last 18 years uh it sounds all too familiar and it's it kind of is a little scary um even if there's a one percent chance of it happening just because it would be a very nickish thing to happen honestly it would, but it's also just 
we've this organization has pretty much circled the summer 2019 on their calendar for the last two years. Like for them to make a trade for Wall right now, it would fuck us in salary cap and take us out of that picture. Like, are they going to give up even a one percent chance of Kevin Kevin Durant to trade for Wall right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the only way I see that even being a consideration is over the summer we miss out on KD, possibly. You know what I mean? Even then, I'd rather sign Kemba, and I feel like the, the Knicks organization feels the same way. Why would you take on Wall's gigantic contract and give up assets to do so when you could just give Kemba a big deal and keep all the young Knicks? You know what I mean? Yep, yep. I feel like we're far past the Knicks franchise or Knicks front office being that dumb, but like I said, there's always that 1% chance. But this is, I feel like there's no, there's no weight to this, this fucking report or this rumor. It's all bullshit to me. Yeah, man. Well, whatever. That's that's Knicks media for you, and all the Knicks fans for you. They're the ones who you know drive us crazy sometimes. But oh well, whatever. It is what it is uh, for now. So you know we'll keep we'll, we'll keep you know staying updated on on the John Wall situation. But anyway, let's move on to you know some NBA news. This is a Nickish podcast, but you know we get into some NBA news. Uh, but first, let's let's do a quick shout out to the long list of sponsors that we uh, are still waiting on. Yeah, Disney, hit us up. Not returning our calls. Fuck's up with that. We're waiting. We're waiting on those sponsors, man. Uh, if you are interested, you know, if we have that lucky chance, lucky opportunity, uh, shoot us an email. Hit us on. Uh, Instagram is Nick underscore ish. And back to the show. So, Nafi, you, you've been following up on the Markel Fultz news that happened? They they kind of yeah, figured I mean, out. They kind of figured out what happened. I think. Yeah, and shit, speak of the devil. Didn't we just spent like a good chunk of our last episode talking about him? So, I mean, I feel like uh, partial credit to his diagnosis is, is owed to us. So, you're welcome, you know, Markel. Yeah, you know, just get healthy. I mean, so I guess the bigger thing is, like, he actually does have something wrong with his uh, soldier and shoulder. And um, I think it's called thora- thoracic, um, was it? You, you got it, right? What's it called? Thoracic whatever syndrome? I don't know. Thor- thoracic? If it's <laughs> thoracic, thoracic, whatever. Thor- we'll say thoracic outlet syndrome. Yeah, so apparently it's a really rare thing that mostly happens to baseball players. So I guess the story is a Sixers doctor never even thought to, like, um, you know, diagnose him for that or, like, look for that because it's so rare amongst basketball players. And hence Fultz and his uh, his agent pulling him out of games and taking him to see specialists. And guess what? It turns out that, like, all these people saying he had the yips and shit. Like, maybe he did have the yips, but it's probably because he was healthy and trying to fight through it, you know? So I feel like he, a lot of people gave him shit. A lot of people gave up on him and it turned out he has like a really rare like kind of physical deficiency that he's gonna take time to address and i think what is it three six weeks of physical therapy so i mean i guess the scary part is like if that doesn't work out like i mean you looked up what happens right like you want to fill the fill the listeners in yeah i mean basically um it could affect his shot because there's supposed to be a lot of numbness and pain and muscle weakness in his hand and one possible Thing on why that that developed was because he was altering his mechanics uh, because he was feeling that something was off and that could have possibly made it worse um, but it's something that like you said happens to a lot of baseball players and 
they there are different ways uh, that different pitchers like Chris Carpenter, Josh Beckett, they they weren't able to come back from it. But other guys like uh, Harvey, um, I think he played for the Mets. Um, he had to get a rib taken out. Harvey and Dent. He came back eight months Harvey. later. What's that? Harvey Dent plays baseball now. Two face plays baseball now. Nah, I don't follow baseball, bro. These are just names. You might as well tell me the name of who, your accounting department. They just sound one and the same. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I yeah, think I, Harvey's the best guy. I think I saw him on some jerseys while I was taking the seven train. Uh, I don't know. I could be totally wrong. But basically, this guy Harvey, some baseball player, he got a rib taken out and came back eight months later. Uh, and but you know he wasn't as good of a player as he was before. Um, and there's some other examples, but it usually does affect a lot of pitchers because they do have to use a lot of their shoulders uh, when they're throwing a pitch. Yeah, and I think that the worst case scenario, like that we had just read right before this podcast, was that if, if the physical therapy don't work, like to avoid that numbness, that continued feeling of numbness, they're gonna have to remove a rib. Just fucking terrifying. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Like, I hope that it doesn't come to that. You know, like, he's a young player, obviously number one pick recently, so like, you, you wish the best for him. But this is this story been kind of crazy, and I don't want to see uh, any anybody lose their ribs. Maybe cancer, but, you know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, but no, man, Fultz's, Fultz's whole career thus far has just been very unfortunate. Um, hopefully he, Hopefully his luck changes, and they can figure it out in three to six weeks and he'll be able to you know play basketball at, at a high level as was always expected from him uh so good luck to markel faults yeah and um but yeah none more need to be said but like uh the other big piece of news is uh the bulls fired their coach i think is that our first firing in the season it is right uh no tyron lou Oh yeah, I mean he don't count. I mean, as soon as LeBron left, that that dude's job security went out the window. So, but yeah, yeah Fred Hoiberg, um, he'd been there since 2015, I think. So that's, I think it was that long. But damn, time flies, shit. But uh, yeah, he was the guy that the Bulls organization chose to be the successor uh, over Tom Thibodeau, and they're the ones they had. He's the guy they handpicked, and like I don't, I definitely don't think he was a good coach. You know, I mean he. But he also wasn't given a lot, a lot of good shit to work with. You know, he was coming out of college, like you probably didn't, you probably didn't remember, but he was given like the reputation of like an offensive guru, pace and space, uh, three point shooting, passing, all that shit, right? But like his first roster, just in 2015, it was literally just a Tom Thibodeau roster. You know, he didn't really have the pieces to make it work. And in 2016, they had a lot of cap space and they used it on Rondo and D Wade, and those were such bad fits with Jimmy Butler. Like, how are you supposed to? play pace and space three-point shooting offense when like your best player is kind of a streaky three-point shooter and the, the your two big free agent signings can't shoot from three for shit you know what i mean so i mean they did win two games against the celtics in the playoffs that year but it was kind of a mirage and they got destroyed once rondo went down and then last year i think they made the butler trade and went to rebuilding mode and this year was like the same thing another rebuilding it like year and they fired him so I guess my bigger point is the, the Bulls front office. I mean, us being Knicks fans, we're, we're like pretty much experts on recognizing terrible front offices. And like Bulls low-key <laughs> have been one of the worst ones. And like they don't get a lot of attention for some reason because of like a period of success. But they made a lot of questionable moves. They made a lot of stupid signings. And 
don't know. It's kind of wild that they're all they're all still there, and they haven't won a championship since Jordan. So it's wild. You know, I think their their GM and vice president have been there since like '02. You know what I mean? And like you don't see that NBA. You know, like there's always front office changes, and I don't know. The Bulls, like who who knows? I don't think Hoiberg's a good coach, but I don't think he was given a fish like a fair shot. And I mean, good luck to whoever takes over that roster because I don't really see much to like on their team other than uh, uh, Markinen and uh, Wendell Carter. You know, not a big Zach Levine guy. Yeah. What about I mean, you? I. I mean, you high on the Bulls? Uh, no, not really. I I don't I don't really get the logic behind Hoiberg, even if he is a bad coach. Like what? What are they? Are, are they? What are they trying to do? They're trying to win or something? They're they're five and nineteen right now, and they lost you know six in a row and ten of the last eleven. Are they not trying to draft high? Um, there's not much to do with the current team right now. Bobby Portis isn't that bad either, um, and Jabari was a shitty signing, but he's playing okay. But obviously, this is a lottery bound team. You should be losing as much as you can, and Hoiberg was doing just that. So. I mean, I'm no, I'm no front office personnel, but if I were in the front office of the Chicago Bulls, I wouldn't be firing the guy who's, you know, kind of making us lose. I don't think I've never read any reports of any locker room issues or anything like that. That was in the past with Rondo, um, but uh-huh. you know, I that was I, I don't, I don't get why they fired him right now. What, what are you really trying to do, guys? Yeah, and I think from like what what I've seen from quotes recently, when they did like press conference, obviously to introduce their new coach, um, Jim Boylan, which is probably the widest name I've ever heard in my life. But uh, they were talking about they replaced Hoiberg because they didn't see him much of a as much of a leader. And I mean, this goes back to what I said earlier. Like they handpicked this dude. Like he was their guy to take over for Thibodeau. You know what I mean? Like they kept talking him up as a guy to like carry out their vision because the the beef that happened with Thibodeau and like the Bulls front office was they like differed on the vision for the franchise and like they obviously won out and got rid of a highly successful coach so after three years they decided that this guy wasn't the right type of leader for him even though they didn't hand him the kind of rosters he needed in the first place it's just it's stupidity but the Bulls would get a pass because for some reason you know their, their mediocrity is, like, overlooked, while ours is always take, like, there's always a microscope on the next, you know? So, whatever. I'm not salty or anything. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that, you know, that pretty much is a is a wrap-up for us on episode number seven. So, any, any final things you want to say for this week? Um, watch more basketball. Just get smarter. Just... Just watch more basketball. That's basically all it is. Like a lot of these uh, dumbass Knicks fans, like these opinions, you know, like, yeah, not to talk too down on our fellow fans, but like, yeah, it's just so obvious that they don't know what they're watching. And the best way to remedy that, the best cure for that is watch more basketball and learn the game. And listen to the Nickish podcast. Keep listening. You'll learn a thing or two. Always. Exactly. Like we gave you a sermon today, you know, tuition free. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh yeah. Anyway, this week the Knicks are gonna play Boston on Thursday, and then Brooklyn on Saturday, and then Charlotte on Sunday. So by the time we we record this next episode, we might have, you know, another win under our belt. Hopefully, we'll have three losses. So we'll see. Um, Tank Watch is still there. Zion Williamson is still gonna be in the draft. So, uh, keep losing, Knicks. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yep. 
the yeah. lottery is only a short six months away, but uh, eyes on the prize. Yep. And again, once again, for those of you who are listening and have listened to all of our episodes, we thank you so much. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, follow us on Instagram. It's Nick underscore ish. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And give us a five-star review, you know? We need these reviews and ratings so uh, we can stay at the top of the list for, for Apple. And for those of you who have already done it, thank you so much. And that's that's pretty much it. So tune in for episode number eight. Um, and thank you so much. Peace. Peace.